This is Sunday night worship service here at the Pine Little Pentecost Women's Church. What we believe, part nine. Senior Pastor Farrell Hardison bring the message tonight on this March the 12th, 2023, Sunday night worship service. All right. Good Sunday evening to you. That young lady preached this morning, didn't she? I've taught her well. Taught her well. Now, she comes from a long line of preachers. And uh, so she she knows she knows what it is, and uh, I just thought she did an outstanding job this morning. Proud of her. She hadn't have done a good job, I wouldn't have claimed her. I'll tell you that right now. <clears throat> That's right. Uh, thank y'all for being here on a on a turn winter time again, didn't it? Started raining. Woke up ice and snow this morning. And uh, I didn't have no bread or milk. I, I almost panicked. <laughs> you know, as soon as you see any ice or snow in North Carolina, you got to go to the grocery store and load up because you're going to be in your house probably maybe 24 hours. And you need a lot of food. <laughs> uh, let's see what's coming up. Um, we've got um, our leaders meeting on Tuesday. Um at 7 o'clock in the uh, Fellowship Hall. Prayer is also Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, then Wednesday we'll be back for a Bible study. And let's see, the widows, the widows group will be meeting in the Fellowship Hall Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And uh, Miss Jean Brasman, Miss Kania Naren lead that ministry, and we sure do appreciate it. We appreciate you girls. What y'all do for our church. And I believe that's it. Marcy uh, needs help. We've been knowing that for some time. <laughs> However, she specifically needs help uh, uh, providing individually wrapped candy for East uh, plastic or uh, for plastic eggs. All right. So the candy that goes into plastic eggs needs to be wrapped. I think that's what I'm picking up on right there. So got that. Uh, you bring that um, between now and uh, Easter. They've got a big thing going on. If you have any questions about it, obviously I don't know very much, but if you want to, to find out some more details about that, talk to her. Thank you for your giving. Giving was up um, this Sunday and last Sunday. appreciate that. Thank you all for your generosity and your, and your obedience to God's word. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, we got more of these books. They just came in this week. Does anybody need one? Anybody? You got yours? Anybody need one? You need one? All right. So I sit here with uh, Larry and read this to him during the service. Anybody else? We got a bunch of them. Tell your uh, neighbors and your friends and people on Sunday morning they need to get this book. Need to get it. Here's what I found about this book. You need to read it several times. When you read a passage in the book, go back because I'm telling you, the book is packed. It is, uh, it is, um, it's, it's uh, heavy. I mean, you can you can take two or three sentences or a paragraph in that book and stay on it all day very easily. So uh, get that book. <laughs> He's ready to give his back already. <laughs> that was good. That was good, Larry. Uh, so. Uh, so make sure uh, make sure you read it some more. Read, go back to it. Use it as a reference. 
Somebody asks you what uh, sanctification is, you can go back to this book. And there's a whole section on that. You don't have to read the whole book. It's a reference book. You can go back to it and go through that sanctification teaching and the scriptures that go with that. If somebody's got a question about the Trinity, which we'll talk about a little bit tonight, but next Sunday night we'll deal with the Trinity primarily. <clears throat> so so uh, I would get this book if I were you and just have it in my, my library. Uh, if you want to know about uh, we, you know, the doctrines of Pentecostal church, which you should want to know about that, and where is that in the Bible? A lot of times we know what we believe, but we don't know where it is in the Bible. We don't know what the ref, where the scripture references are. Well, they're all in this book. <clears throat> and uh, Mac and Larry, uh, Larry has read part of the book. He's mad. He's leaving. Mac's going with him. <laughs> I saw him tell you to come on. Let's go. I wish y'all had waited after church, but whatever. Um, so let's uh, talk about um, what we covered last week. We're on chapter two. Um, Millie said, I don't even think you got into the introduction tonight, did you? Because I passed these papers out. Have y'all got your paper? You might need one. If you do, that gentleman sitting right there will give you one. Won't you, sir? I will. He's a servant. He's a servant. He's a, he's a scholar and a gentleman. <clears throat> but you can see there how chapter two is broken up. I didn't... I didn't put your notes in there for you because I thought, well, uh, they're grown and they can put the notes in there they want in there. So I just gave you a breakdown of the chapter so you'll kind of know where we are. We covered some um, in the introduction. We talked about, uh, you remember right off, it's in your book, the very first uh, page there, page 53 is the first page of chapter 2. We talked about uh, Jesus, the Son of God, exalted. And it's all about Jesus. And I don't want you to misunderstand that statement. I'm just telling you, it's all about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. Um, without Jesus, we have no possibility of a relationship with the Father. We cannot be made right with the Father. Uh, we're born into this world separated from the Father. If we die... Separated from the Father, we enter into an eternity in hell. If we, if we have a relationship with the Father through the Son and we die, we have an eternity in heaven. We put so much emphasis in this world down here, don't we? We just put so much attention. To the, uh, we, and I'm, I'm guilty too. We give so much of our attention to things that are going to pass away. Things that are going to be gone. It's like, a, what did Solomon say? It's like a vapor. You ever been boiling on the stove and you see that vapor come and uh, it's there for a moment, just like the Bible says, and then it's gone. Everything in this world is like that. Everything in this world. Everything that we cherish. Stuff we'll get mad about. Stuff we'll break relationships about. And we don't give as much thought as we ought to to eternal matters. Eternal matters. Where are we going when we leave this world? Where are we going to spend eternity? And what you do with Jesus determines that. What you decide about the, Jesus. How you answer the question of who he is and how he relates to your life. How you answer that question uh, determines your eternity. That's a good thing to say if you're trying to witness to somebody. And they say, well, what's the, you know, uh, 
they might not use these words, but you can tell in their attitude and the way they're saying it, what's the big deal with Jesus? What's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about it is what you do with him determines where you spend eternity. That's big. That's pretty big, isn't it? Uh, is there anything bigger than that? Mm-mm. The only thing right under that would be where your family spends eternity and the people you love and the people you know and live with. And, and that's our world, but then we ought to care about people across the water and what they think about Jesus. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we give money to missionaries and support missionaries. It's because what a man, what a woman believes about Jesus determines their eternity. Determines their eternity. So we talked about the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, and how Jesus is there, and uh, the poetry books, and the wisdom books, and the prophecies, uh, the prophets, and the gospels, and we talked about the book of Acts, where Jesus is in there, and the epistles, the letters that the uh, apostles wrote, uh, the uh, apocalypse, which means the the uh, the end. The book of Revelation, of course, is the book of the apocalypse. What we are doing and what the author is doing uh, is he is drawing a distinction between us as Pentecostals and all the other churches. And I appreciate that. I appreciate him doing that. He talks about uh, uh, primarily us and the evangelicals. And the evangelicals are people who believe that you need to be born again just like we do to go to heaven. But they, they don't believe the way we do about the gifts of the Spirit about the workings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brother Max talking about um, <clears throat> Acts on uh, Wednesday night, and uh, we were talking about, uh, and I think in your Bible it says the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles written by, the book, written by Luke. But then when you really think about it, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts. And he talks about Jesus in there, and... Um, and so we talked about that and went through that. Uh, both camps, evangelicals and Pentecostals, this is an area. We're talking about Jesus now. We'll talk about, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in coming chapters. We'll talk about the book of Revelation and the end times, which we're actually talking about a little bit on Sunday morning right now. Not giving the big details, but right now on Sunday morning, what I'm primarily talking about is the signs of the times. We're talking about what's going to happen, and we know the rapture is near. We know the rapture is, is close. Now, I don't know what near is in the mind of God. I don't know what near is. When I think of near, I think of today, next week, next month. I don't know what near is to God. God sees all of time at once, and I don't know what, what that means in His mind. But I believe the rapture is very, very near. I believe it's very, very soon. I, I don't see any other thing that's in the Bible that needs to be done before he could come in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and catch us away in the rapture of the church. Of course, I told you the word rapture is not there, but the word caught up, and that's the same thing, caught up. And the writer writing uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the uh, Thessalonians, and so we talked about that on Sunday morning. I missed preaching this morning, but I tell you what, it really felt good to sit there and, and get preached too. 
Uh, somebody told me when I'm watching another preacher, a man told me one time, I always sit on the front row when I've got a guest preacher. He said, you look like a catcher behind the plate in a baseball game. And I caught myself today sitting on the edge of my seat with my, with my fist under my chin just trying to get it. And I guess that's what he was talking about. But, but uh, it feels good to be preached to. I, I, she, got, she stepped on my toes too. I know y'all appreciate that. Y'all really like that part that she got me. I, I know y'all do and I don't blame you a bit. But it really was a good word for us today. He goes on uh, talking about evangelicals. I, I would say, <clears throat> I would say the the churches right around us here are evangelical churches. I believe I don't really know them. I don't know the pastors, but I believe if I talk to each pastor of the church, he would say or she would say, um, "You must be born again to be right with God." So that would make them evangelicals like us. We're, but, but again, we are Pentecostals. They would all have more in common with each other. And I'm not trying to draw a division here or create division. I certainly don't want to do that. What I want to do is let us see how we're alike in our community. But they would probably, I'm just thinking of the three churches right here around us. They would be more in harmony with one another because of the way they view Pentecost then they would be in harmony with us because there is a big divide right there. Uh, however, Brother Mac was talking, I believe it was Brother Mac, talking about, yeah, it was him, uh, the history of our church and how it came out of some of the churches in this community, or at least one church in particular, and uh, they just experienced Pentecost. They said, I want all God's got, and I don't care um, how undignified I have to be to experience all God's got. I want all he has, and and so God took them up on that, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and and uh, uh, we can't look on, look back on that history and let there be division now. That's all over with. But those people were asked, if you're going to behave like that, if you're going to do like that, uh, then y'all need your own your own deal. And so uh, they did. They started a church, and here we are sitting here tonight because of those brave people and. Because of their refusal to compromise, we sit here in the prettiest church in town. <laughs> Can I say that? Is that all right? I think I just did. Amen. So we just thank the Lord for the history and where we came from. But uh, one of the sentences here that I like uh, that uh, Dr. Trammell um, says is both camps, evangelicals and Pentecostals, wholeheartedly proclaim that the full and final revelation of God to his creation, that's us, focus exclusively on the person of his dear son. I would, um, I would uh, imagine that Jesus was mentioned in every church in our town today the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we have in common. So let's go down to the bottom of page 55. I know it didn't get much covered last week, and I probably won't get much covered this week, but uh, I want you to go down to that last sentence. The last sentence, um, well, we'll start at that last paragraph. Uh, this chapter, chapter 2, will also examine the beauty of the balance as it relates to the nature of God himself. Listen to this next sentence now. 
an overwhelming number of Pentecostals join evangelicals in affirming the doctrine of the Trinity. The twin truths, don't let that term go by you, twin truths. So what he's saying, there's two things true about Jesus, or there's two things true about God. There's two things true. The twin truths of the oneness of God. How many gods do we serve? One. One one God. And the threeness of God require careful precision and balance. Lest a seeker of truth slide down the slippery slopes of error like Jesus only. Have you ever heard of churches called Jesus only churches? Have you ever heard, uh, they, they usually are, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the denominational name. I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm just telling you what they believe different. Um, apostolic, I think, is a name you're going to see a lot of times in the, in the denominational name of a church that's Jesus only. They are Pentecostals. They believe in the Pentecostal gifts of the Spirit. But they don't baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit even though it's clear in the Bible to do that. They just baptize in the name of Jesus. And if you ever hear them preach, they will always bring that out in every sermon, is that they are not Trinitarians, they are Jesus only. No matter what they're preaching on, no matter what the subject matter, they always bring out that doctrine that they're Jesus only. We believe that that is an error. Now, we don't believe that disqualifies them from going to heaven. We believe they're saved. We just believe they have uh, a, a misunderstanding of what the Trinity is. So there's the oneness of God, but then there's the threeness of God. And, and one of the ways that I've always, um, and I learned this, of course, early in my ministry to talk about the Trinity was that the Trinity is three in one like an apple. If you have an apple, you have the peeling, you have the core, and then you have the flesh of the apple. That's the best part. That's the part we like the best. Uh, we, we usually discard the peeling a lot of times and discard the core, but all three of those things are different, but they're all one apple. We are Trinitarian ourselves, human beings. We have a mind, we have a body, and we have a spirit. And when we're lost, um, then our mind and our body functions in and views the world from that lost perspective. That we don't have a relationship with Jesus. That before we're saved, we are running our life. We are running our life. We are making our decisions. But thank God he gave us a mind, an intellectual mind, that we can understand the gospel when we hear it. And then when conviction comes, where we realize because of the gospel we heard, we realize we need to be saved, we need to be right with God, then then that communion with God takes place in our spirit. Uh, God communes with uh, our spirit. (laughs) So, so uh, that's how we're born again. When we, when we kneel in an altar, my daddy, I've told you the story about him kneeling by the bed in the wee hours of the morning, waking my mom up, saying, I've gone as far as I can go. Well, God met him there. 
God met him there and saved his soul. I can take you to the house right now where it happened. I can take you to the room where it happened. And uh, my daddy got saved right there. But he will meet you here. He will meet you wherever you are. Matter of fact, you don't even have to have somebody with you to lead you to the Lord if you're lost. If you've heard the gospel, you can come to that place on going down the highway and just go, that's it. And you can just pull over. I would not... I would not recommend you pray that prayer while you're driving, but you can. Just don't close your eyes or get to crying because that's what would happen to me. You just kind of pull over. I mean, what I'm saying is I know this is all simple, but um, what I'm saying, God will meet any man, any woman, anywhere when they're ready for him, when they want him. He'll meet them anywhere. And you've heard stories and I've heard stories of how people got saved and where they were when they got saved, and you know that. I know people that uh, were laying in their bed, woke up in the middle of the night and realized I've, this is it. And laying right there on their pillow with uh, tears uh, running down each side of their face, they said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I surrender. I surrender to you. And God will meet you wherever you are. Now, wonderful that after you get saved, that doesn't cease. He'll meet you wherever you want to meet him. Amen. Have you all met with the Lord in some strange places? You ever gone in the bathroom, gone down by the great white throne and cried out to God? I have done it many times. He'll meet you wherever. And uh, don't ever forget that. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to know. That's a wonderful thing that sits in our mind that we know. But he says here, if we don't get this right understanding of the oneness of God and the threeness of God, if, we're not, if we don't get good teaching on that, precision teaching and balanced teaching, then a seeker of truth, I'm at the top of page 56 in case y'all don't know where I'm at, a seeker of truth can slide down the slippery slopes of error in either direction. Yet when the splendor of the Trinity abides in proper tension, the incomparable harmony that exists within the interrelationships of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit illuminates, teaches, shines the light on. That's what the word illuminate means. Shines the light on divine truth. So we're talking about, we're talking about the balance of Jesus. And he goes on in that next chapter talking about examples of the theme of balance. If you'll drop down about three sentences, you'll see the word transcendence. And eminence. Now I'm teaching y'all some big words. Y'all need to be throwing these around. Let people know y'all are great theologians. Yeah, somebody goes, hey, by the way, what y'all doing on Sunday night? Say, well, last night we studied the eminence of Jesus. You should have been there. (laughs) Well, when we first look at that, we might not know what that means. The transcendence of Jesus, of the Lord, of God, that's, that's the... God, and I'm just putting it in my words, that's the God that sits up on the throne, who looks unapproachable, who sits there in all of his majesty and his glory and his perfection and his ultimate control of the entire universe. Nobody can touch him. Nobody can threaten him. Nobody can make him tremble. He is God Almighty on the throne. That's the transcendence of God. But we're balanced. He's balanced with the eminence of God which means in the middle of the night when your baby's got a fever 
or your grandbaby, he will come down in that little bedroom where that crib is and that great, high, holy God that seems unapproachable will come right where you are in the midst of your problem. Glory to God. There's a balance. There's a balance. Listen to me. Moses couldn't even look on the... the um, What's the word I want to use there? The transcendence of God. You remember? Moses, uh, uh, he saw where God had been, the Bible says. He didn't even really see God. He saw where God had been. And it just put him right on his face on the ground. It blinded him just to see a glimpse of the glory of God. His, his transcendence. And so... You need to see that about God. You need to understand that about God. When you think about the battle you have with the devil and the battle you have with your temptations and the battle you have with the world, let me tell you something. Those things are nothing to God. They're nothing to God. That's why we've got to do what the preacher told us this morning and remain in Him. Abide in Him. Be, be joined to the vine. He said, you are the branches, I'm the vine. We've got to stay connected with Him because all of that glory and power and eminence and control of the universe, and I just can't even think of all the words I need to think of right now to describe Him, His Lordship, His Kingship, all of that is available to us when we cry out His name He comes and He's intimate with us. He's close to us. He's near to us. But to enjoy those things, we've got to abide in Him. I struggle just like y'all do. I struggle just like y'all do. I am so glad that y'all don't get a report every month on the direction of my spiritual life. Because if you got a report on it, you would see when I'm beat up, when I feel beat up, and you will see when I'm discouraged, and you'll see when I'm full of faith, and you'll see when I've been praying like I ought to, and you'll see when I haven't been praying like I ought to, and, and you'd see all those things in my life. And, and we all struggle. We all have our battles. We all have our highs and our lows. And that's why we can't depend on ourselves. That's why we can't lean on our own understanding, the Bible says. But we got to be connected to Him, to Him. It's like a, it's like a lamp. You can have a beautiful lamp. You can have a pretty lamp. You can have a huge bulb in it. You can have uh, a three-way bulb. <laughs> you can have all kind of features. But if it isn't plugged into the power, it can't function. It can't do a thing. And that's exactly what this is talking about right here. That we know Him in His transcendence. We know Him in His eminence. Go on down a couple more sentences. Additionally, the reality of the full deity. Everybody say this with me. Jesus. That was bad. That was pitiful. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Don't ever forget that. Don't let anybody ever talk you out of that. Jesus is God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, you can't even get to the Father that you're not right with unless you come through me. Jesus is God. He is deity. He's deity. Don't ever forget that. Don't let anybody ever talk you out of that. I'm going to say this. 
I've told you two or three things that people believe that are in error, but they can still be saved. On this one, you can't be saved. If you don't believe Jesus is God, you can't be saved. And here's why. Because if Jesus isn't God, then his death on the cross meant nothing. And if his death on the cross meant nothing, it means your sins were not born on that cross. Your sins, he did not bear your sins on that cross. I thank God for Moses and Abraham and I thank God for Daniel and I thank God for Samuel and all the great people in the Bible. But if any of them had died on the cross other than Jesus, God, we'd all be lost and no hope of heaven. No hope of heaven. I thank God for all those men. I thank God for all those humans. But that's exactly what they were. Men. Humans. They were not deity. I've met a few folks in my ministry time, I think, thought they were deity, but, but they weren't. They weren't deity. Jesus is God. Now look what it says. His full deity and His complete what? Humanity. 100% God and 100% man. Now, I don't know how you can be 100% of two things. Only God can do that. But that's who he is. And look, there are scripture references here. Talks about uh, this being clearly confirmed in the Bible. Luke 1, John 1. You see all those references. Uh, the remaining chapters of the book highlight the marvelous provision of grace that allows believers to be a part of a hypostatic union through the indwelling Spirit of God. Talking about how those threeness of God work together to uh, bring you salvation. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. And then I love this scripture, and this is probably the only scripture I'm going to put up on the screen tonight. <clears throat> but it's Psalms 27, 4, and I love this. It says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I love what the author says here. He says, for evangelicals and Pentecostals alike, all of us, there exists no greater object to cast their attentive eyes on than the wonder of the Son of God. Amen, amen, amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, somebody, I, the other Sunday when, you remember the other Sunday when I uh, started my series on the, on the signs of the times and I came down and never went back up to my notes. And we just dealt with the timeline of the end times. And uh, y'all remember that Sunday? I kind of got off, off my plan. A man met me in the parking lot and said, Farrell, um, he said, uh, there's no preaching like this in America anymore. He said, I know there's preaching like it in places. He said, but I'm telling you, what you preach today, they're just not preaching it. It's just not being preached. And that was, that was a discouragement to me, but an encouragement to me that it bore witness with him that I was rightfully dividing the whole Word of God, giving the whole Word of God. That, that blessed me, and the truth of it discouraged me. I, I remember, I mean, even in my lifetime, and y'all know I'm a young man, but I remember in my lifetime... When a lot of churches preached like that, and they weren't all Pentecostal churches, a lot of churches preached 
strong Bible truth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and, and it just touched my heart what he said. He goes on at the top of page 157, uh, not 157, but 57. He says, uh, the epistles have been the treasure house. I love this. Listen to how he says this. The epistles have been the treasure house for explanations of the Christ event. So if you want to know about Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course. And then read the rest of the New Testament because they go on, the apostles go on. Uh, John, uh, of course, goes on and Luke goes on to write other things, other books. Peter, um, so so read the New Testament. He says, and the apocalypse, when he uses that word, he's talking about revelation. The apocalypse has gripped believers with fascination at the prospects of a coming king. And that's what we believe. We need to, we need to talk about that more. We need to remind our family more that he's coming, that Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming. Uh, it's it's going to be at a time when we don't expect it. He says the apocalypse revelation teaching on the end times has gripped believers with the fascination of the prospects of a coming king, the coming king. Truly to preach or teach Bible is to preach or teach Christ. Preach Jesus Christ. And I don't think there's been a Sunday, no matter what I'm preaching on, that I don't make an appeal to unbelievers. You never know when an unbeliever is going to be sitting there. And we want to make that appeal. And I'm making that appeal because not only do we have unbelievers probably sitting in our audience every Sunday, um, I would be surprised if we had one sitting here now in this service, but on Sunday morning, if we have an unbeliever, that's when that unbeliever is going to be present. And uh, so you're going to make that appeal, but it's also important to make an appeal. And I need, I need the Holy Spirit to prompt me more on this, is the return of Christians who have backslid, who have gone back, who have drifted away. It's not, my, it's not my judgment to judge if they're still saved or not, but if they're going in the wrong direction, they don't want to go ultimately in that wrong direction. So there's a, an appeal. I think no matter who the preacher is, uh, before I came or when I leave and other ones come in, you want a preacher that's going to appeal to lost people to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And the greater appeal, the greater preaching of a good pastor is that you are evangelist and that you go into the world looking. Uh, y'all found y'all found a, somebody who loved the Lord the other day from Georgia in Walmart, didn't you? Imagine that, somebody from Georgia in Walmart. Um, and they found a man of God, and he ministered to them, and they ministered to him, and and uh, we just need to have our radar up. We need to be saying things and thinking in a way. You know, I've I've never been effective if you turn to somebody and go, you, if you're lost, you better find Jesus, or you're going to go to hell. I don't think that's very effective, but I do think it's effective to talk about the Lord and say things about your church and and say things about how God's blessed you and say them in the public. Say them wherever you go. Do y'all do that? I know you do. I know you do. Say it at the post office. Say it at the IGA. Say it at the town market. I should have said town market first, shouldn't I? Say it there first. Is that is that right? Town market. Is that what it's called? And uh, wherever you are, just talk about, man, God's been so good to me. 
this was going on, and then God moved in and changed things, and I just want to thank the Lord for that. And, and if they don't know the Lord, they'll look a little sheepish and a little nervous, but they'll never forget you said it. And if the day comes that God's working on them and they hear a, a gospel song or a sermon, or you're liable to be the one they call and say, listen, I know you told me something one time, and I want, could you come over to my house and have a cup of coffee? Let's, let's, I want to ask you a couple of questions about what you said. And then you go over there. Now, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. And if they get to asking a bunch of theological questions, you might have to look at them and go, look, I don't know all that. I'm still learning. But this is what I know. Let me just pause right there. You remember when the, the blind man got healed? Jesus healed the blind man. And uh, all the theologians and the Pharisees and the Sadducees come running up to that man. And you know why they're called Sadducees, don't you? Come on, y'all remember, because they're Sadducees. And so they ran up. They ran up to Jesus, or they ran up to the blind man, the guy. And they said, uh, they began to ask him theological questions. And I love his answer. Do y'all remember his answer? He said, I don't know any of that. All I know was I was blind and now I see. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And you might have to look at somebody who's going, well, you know, there are people out there who dare just their whole goal is to find a, 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 a loophole in the Word of God. Well, there's no loophole in the Word of God. There's nowhere the Word of God denies itself and says one thing in one place and another thing in another place. And you can go on the Internet and put that in and they'll show you and they don't know what in the world they're talking about. They're taking something out of context over here, something out of context over there. Don't listen to any of that stuff. That Word of God, that Bible... You, you, you don't have to defend it. The Word of God can defend itself. But just look at him and go, you know, I, I can't answer all those questions, but I'll, I'll, I will, if you want to write those questions down, I'll try to find the answer to those. But here's what I do know. I was lost. And I'll tell you this, and then see, you're not talking about them, you're talking about, I would have gone to hell if I died like I was. And I didn't have anybody to talk to about my problems. I was upset all the time. I was worried all the time. And I know we battle with that even as Christians, but it's different. Battling with it as a Christian and battling with it when you're lost. And you just look at them and go, but I got saved and I got my church. And I've got, I can ask my pastor, I can ask my friends, I can ask my family. And they pray for me and they lift me up and just begin to tell them about how your life's been different since you got saved. And then be ready to pray for, pray with them. And, and really, here's, here's the prayer to be saved. And, and have y'all noticed on, a, uh, I don't know if y'all have caught it, but Billy Graham's son, um, what's his name? Franklin. Franklin Graham. Have y'all noticed his, his ads on TV leading people to the Lord right there on, on uh, television in a commercial. And he says, uh, pray this prayer. and tells them what to pray. Well, in that situation, you, you've got to do that because he's got one minute to get that little message out before they go to something else. <clears throat> but when you're with somebody, here's what they're saying. Um, they're saying, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. 
Because before we're saved, we're not surrendered. We're doing it ourselves. We're fixing it ourselves. We're we're uh, dealing with it ourselves. We we lean on our own understanding. We read a book on it. We we uh, turn over there and Doctor Fields talking about somebody that's got a problem kind of like that. So we just get intent and listen to what Doctor Fields got to say. And uh, uh, we we when you're lost, you're just looking everywhere to find an answer. And all you need to do is give up on all of that. And surrender. Just surrender to the Lord. You you say, well, preacher, um, do you ever push back against the Lord? Oh, yeah. Sure I do. My flesh in me push back against the Lord? Yes. But he don't let me, he don't let me be like that long. He deals with me. And I know he deals with you too. And so you just tell them. You say, well, they, they might say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to get, I've had this said to me so many times. I'm afraid to get saved. I, I don't want to get saved because I, I, I want to make sure I'm going to live it. I, I'm, I don't want to tell everybody I got saved. And then two weeks from now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living it anymore. Well, you didn't get saved if that happened. You didn't get saved. Let me lead you to a relationship with the Lord. Get saved. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. But you're still his child. And he gives you opportunity to mature and develop. And that's why you talk to them. And just make yourself available to them. And just lead them. And they say, well, I don't know what to pray. Well, just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. And I can't get, a, get rid of this sin in me myself. I don't have a friend who can get rid of my sin. I can't start doing good today and, and do perfect the rest of my life. That ain't going to work because, first of all, I won't do perfect the rest of my life. And secondly, that don't deal with my past sins. So, Lord, I come to you and I ask you to cleanse me, wash me, save me. You died on the cross. You bore my sins on that cross. And I accept what you did on the cross. I accept that for me. And you rose from the dead to give me life. And you just lead them in a little childlike prayer. A childlike prayer. And lead them, lead them to understand that they are surrendering their life to Jesus. Let me give you all this little bit and then I'm going to stop. <clears throat> I love this next paragraph. I've got it circled two or three times. Who but Jesus could be both Alpha and Omega? A and the Z. Alpha is the first word of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So what he means is, Lord, you are both the A and the Z. You're the beginning and the end. Who but Jesus could be both the sacrifice. The Bible says he is the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, and the priest. It was the priest who offered the sacrifice. How can you be the sacrifice and the priest? There's the scripture. He is the lamb and the shepherd. He is the builder and he is the foundation. He is the author. He started us. He got us. He is the author of faith and he is the finisher of our faith. There is no subject more important than Christology, Christology, that's the study of Christ. Eternity hangs in the balance. Y'all know this. And the souls of humanity. Th listen, let me, let me just tell y'all. There's no more important topic 
anywhere in the world today than what we're talking about right here in this little country church tonight. There, is, there will be no national meeting. There will be no Washington, D.C. meeting. There will be no gathering of nations tomorrow that will have a more important agenda than the agenda we're talking about right here in this room tonight. Nothing more important. Nothing. They are trying to solve the world's problems, not only with human power, but with devilish, demonic power. So there's nothing more important than what we're doing here tonight. Eternity hangs in the balance. And the souls of humanity are at stake. Salvation found only in Jesus Christ permeates the pages of the history of the early church. The Lord's only questions shortly after His passion on the cross, His suffering on the cross, rings relevant today. What do you think about Jesus? That's all that matters. What do you think about the Christ? What is your opinion of the Christ? Whose son is He? Heresies concerning the nature of Jesus began to emerge even in the first century. I mean, right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, false Christ popped up everywhere. They have escalated in every generation. So that means we've got more today than we had yesterday, and we're going to have more tomorrow than we've got today. I'm talking about false teachers and false Christs. Historically, evangelicals have lifted up their voices to provide a strong declaration of who the Bible says Jesus is. Now, y'all don't forget, we're evangelicals too, but we're Pentecostal evangelicals. Look at the next sentence and then we're done. Pentecostals have blended their voices in as well, have blended their voices in as well, amplifying. In other words, we have just blended right in with the evangelicals. We agree with them. How many of y'all, when Billy Graham preaches, you say amen? Amen. Billy Graham is an, is an evangelical. He was an evangelical. And, and so we blend right in. We blended right in. When I hear him now, uh, I'll be going through some things on the internet and I'll see him. He'll pop up and, and he's preaching that message. And I just say, Amen, Amen, Amen. I told y'all, uh, I think y'all are going. I think the fellowship group's going to his place. Oh, have y'all been before? Man, it is. I cried through the whole thing and when I got to the end of it a man thought I was under conviction and tried to get me saved and Millie said I praise God he needed Millie was like he needs to get saved every time he can you know but that place is so anointed it is so powerful it, it just it just touched my heart in a deep deep way but I said amen 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 now I got to tell you the truth I think if you were to pin some evangelicals down, and I think his son and his daughter might be two of them, I think they'd tell you they believe in the Pentecost. They might not be able to come out and say it because it would shut doors for them to do ministry. I don't know. But I tell you, I can tell. I feel like I can discern when somebody, either, they're, either, either they've, ha they've had the Pentecostal experience or they're open to it. And when I read their books... And, Brother Jerry, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you can be like Chuck Swindoll, and I don't know how you can be like David Jeremiah, and I don't know how you can be like those men are, and not have had somewhere in a quiet room somewhere a time with the Lord you can't explain. 
you can't explain. And what we do uh, as Pentecostals, and I want us to do it more, is is let's let's learn to be Pentecostals and let's rejoice outwardly, and let's not be ashamed, and let's let our praise of God come forth. Amen. Look, that's our distinction. That is what makes us distinct from every other church in this town, is that we are open and we give glory and we believe in experiences, spiritual experiences happening in our lives. And I don't want us to be afraid of that. When the Spirit moves you, I want you to, I want you to let God flow through you. Let God bless you. And let God give you what you need. That's why we have church. That's one of the reasons we have church is the fellowship and the support of one another and just enjoying our presence with the Lord. Amen. Let's end in the altar like we always do. And if you're not if you're not comfortable kneeling down, I'm not really comfortable kneeling down myself. Uh, just just come and sit on the front row, or um, just get in a place and and get comfortable. And let's just um, let's just ask God to renew Pentecost in us. Amen. The Pine Level Pentecost Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.